<laughs> yeah. It's been that, been that way for like snow. a month. We got big time belted with snow. We were freezing last week, but it got up to like like 49.50 today. I felt awesome. Walking around with a sweatshirt. Man. <laughs> nice. I haven't seen that for a while. I mean. That's like June for, for Minnesota and Canada. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really more like April, but or even March. April, but yeah. Still. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's just been brutal cold here uh, for like the last month. I mean, December wasn't bad at all in the first week of January or so, and then all of a sudden it just got cold and it stayed cold for the most part. Yeah, I've been waiting for, like, I need two or three days warm enough so that my water line defrosts because I need one more layer on on the rink in the backyard because right now it's a little lumpy because the first time I loaded it with water, it dumped snow for like a day and a half and then it just kind of all iced in there and it's you know i need my, that last layer to even it out and my water pipe's just been frozen and i can't get i can't get it to where i even tried a heater i tried everything so next year i gotta get a hot water line i think yeah yeah for sure are you guys ready to do this or what yeah man yeah i'm ready to rock yeah, let's rock. let's do it You know the Pope listens Dynasty our religion For the blokes missing On all of these trades On all of these plays On all of these grades By the end of the day Y'all getting played So what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex Send the homie a text That trash offers the best You try to make it complex Then they text you back Now all of a sudden They don't make any sense <laughs> Broaden your horizons boy Dynasty's not for the Simons boy Trade's not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the... And I'll always be traded. And I'll always be traded. And I'll always be trading. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Fish. What is up, Fantasyland? We are back in the district. Shout out to the chat, man. I see you guys rolling in. Kevin Wheeler in there. We got Jose Pena. Happy we got a show tonight. Sorry about Tuesday, guys. We had a big guest lined up. And, you know, as, as the last two years have, uh, have shown us, COVID will, uh, has no mercy. So uh, we moved it to tonight. But, I mean, what a show we have loaded for you guys tonight. Awesome time of the year. We're doing best balls. We're starting to talk dynasty startups. You're getting ready, lining up your rosters for rookie drafts. So tonight we're going to talk about the 2022 class. We're going to look at different tiers, how they break down in tiers, where you want to be in the drafts, how you're going to dance around from now until that time. And to do that, we bring in none other than the man Matt Hicks, brother, welcome back to the district. One of my favorites. Glad to have you, brother. JD, Dan, Theo, I always love jumping on with you guys. It's not rookie season until we're chopping it up, so I'm excited for it. 
And that that's exactly how I feel, eh, Dan? It's, it's yes, kind of like exactly. our, our intro. Yep. You know, we, we get our intro in the first best balls because you got to do those Google searches and, you know, you start looking <laughs> at the guys. But in, in all reality, when Matt, John Lobb, who we're going to have on later this month, come on, we know it's that time of year to start getting ready. Yeah, in, in all honesty, I go pretty late on the rookies until I've had, after I've talked to Matt and John. So that's that's definitely the place to start. For sure, man. For sure, Theo. I, I hope you're not still bitter that Canada beat you guys two nothing in uh, in a real soccer action. <laughs> well, I, I'm I, I'm still I'm I'm absolutely still bitter. But we, we recovered. We recovered with a three nothing win last night against Honduras. So I feel a little less bad. Hey, and and not just a win against Honduras, a win against Honduras in sub zero temperatures in, <laughs> in Minnesota. In Minnesota, it was it was it was a, it was a, it was a wonderful wonderful night. Scored in the eighth minute. I was I was really hurting. JD tried talking trash to me. I couldn't even deal with it. I was talk, I was in talk so about, much pain. Talk about your home field advantages, man. I mean, oh yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Two, to, to the two, players for Honduras didn't even come out for the second half. They got hypothermia. Two, yeah. two of them actually went with hypothermia. They couldn't handle it. So uh, the home field worked. It was a little extreme. You could have done it in Ohio and had it cold enough, but they went full full Minnesota. So. It was uh, it was an awesome awesome uh, win, especially after. I mean, hats off to Canada. Canada's headed to the World Cup. JD and I have talked for months about this, so not to get too soccery, but it's uh, it's big for big for JD and um, it's big for Concacaf to have another team. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm really thrilled to talk some um, rookie drafts. I, I love talking to Matt. Matt is such a sharp guy when it comes to these rookie prospects. Um, I'm excited about this this class. Um, I'm really excited to hear what Matt has to say. I feel like it's it's finally a year where it's easier for me to get draft picks. I think that people are kind of down on this class and I don't see it. I kind of like the top of the class a lot. Um, so yeah, I'm ready to go deep dive with Matt. Um, and yeah, we're, before you know, it, we'll be drafting rookie drafts and uh, it's great to get ahead of the curve with these rookies. All right. We're going to jump into it, but Matt, Real quick, before we do it, remind the people where they can find your goodness. You and John are dropping some serious videos right now, some serious streams. I started watching those. Anything else you have coming out to share with the peeps before we get into the goodness? Yeah, man, absolutely. Uh, as you alluded to, me and John Lobb, we're dropping the Rookie Profile Series. We dropped our first round this past week. You're going to get four rookie profiles per week all the way up into the NFL draft. Basically, what we do is we break down one prospect per episode, everything you need to know about them, their stats, their college tape, a full film breakdown, fantasy football analysis. Each player's episode is eight to ten minutes long, so you can chop them up, really focus in on it. Uh, and I got to throw out there uh, – you know, JD, you got to stop Googling uh, where these prospects are, all right? Because uh, I'm 85 evaluations deep into this draft class. Uh, I put out my rankings uh, over at patreon.com slash the FF educator. So if you want to get access to rankings and, and some good, you know, Discord channel chat and all that good stuff, it's patreon.com slash the FF educator. And, you know, this is what I do year round, man. I look at rookie value. I look at the the trends in the draft classes. This is like my niche in fantasy football. I love it. And I get really into it. Yeah, guys, Matt is a no brainer follow. He's literally my go to. He'll tell you when I'm draft when I'm drafting in in a draft that involves rookie drafts or I need to make moves that involve rookie drafts and I don't know the class yet. I literally go to Matt and I start throwing names, draft picks, and uh, he's he's definitely my go to. And that's why Dan and I and Theo wanted him on. I think we've had him most of the years. He's literally, I think, our first guest, if not 
you know, one of uh, when it comes to rookie season. So let's jump into it tonight, guys. Make sure you're following Matt. Make sure you're subscribing to the channel. Smash the like button as usual. Theo, I'm going to go to you, brother. Start it off. You've got a, a, a nice uh, sequence of questions that we're going to go through tonight. I mean, we're going to go off track because I've already thought of a, a handful of, of ones for Matt that are not on the sheet. But uh, why don't you start this off, brother? Yeah, so we've, we've had two very successful rookie classes in a row that have made a huge fantasy impact, whether you're a dynasty player or a redraft player. This past year, we saw Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell. year before we had, uh, you know, we had Taylor. We've had all these um, big-time hits the last two years. And I'll even take it back a step um, with three years ago class with the DK Metcalf, A.J. Brown, Debo Samuel class. So we've had three um, pretty really, you know, big-time classes in a row for fantasy perspective. How would you compare this 2022 rookie class to the last three classes? Yeah, that's a really good question, and I'm glad you asked. I think it's a really good place to kick off this conversation, right? Because uh, a lot of the narrative that you've been hearing for over a year now is sell your 2022 picks, right? Your 2022 picks aren't valuable. Uh, It's a down year. And so when I'm looking at draft classes, I'm really – I start – uh, position by position because each draft class yeah they have different levels of value right like there's going to be years where there's just an overall higher level of talent but the overall class kind of gains a characteristic and then the individual positions uh, do as well and I think it's really important to focus in on those positions and you kind of alluded to it Theo you know last year was a year where wide receivers hit uh, earlier and quicker than they have in the past so that's why we got so excited about Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle because we haven't seen rookie wide receivers uh, hit early, even though that's becoming a little bit more of a trend. The year before that, the characteristic was running backs. Uh, We had a ton of running back talent at the top. So if you look at the class overall, uh, the word I would use is depth, right? Uh, I know we're going to talk about tiers a little bit here, but overall, man, I got to tell you, like I just did a four round rookie mock draft and I had to cut myself off because I I wanted to put like six rounds in there because there's players I still like well into the fourth round of, of rookie drafts right now. And so there's a lot of depth in the class. Um, where and, and so I would say, you know, an overall characteristic is depth. If you look at positions, uh, I think the reason folks are calling this a down year is because the quarterback position is a little bit more uncertain right now, right? Uh, and so there's maybe not as much talent at the top of the quarterback position. But if you talk about the wide receiver position, dude, this is this is just as talented of a class. There might not be a Jamar Chase in this year's class, but we could easily have four or five guys hit from this wide receiver class easily. There's some really talented running backs at the top of the class with Isaiah Spiller, with Brees Hall, uh, with, with uh, Kenneth Williams or Kenneth Walker. I'm sorry, and Kyron Williams, who I like a ton as well. And there's some sneaky tight end prospects in here as well. So. Uh, I, there, there's plenty of talent in this year's class. Uh, and so this, this narrative of it not being valuable, I think is, is really a fade. I've been fading that for over a year and I think folks are starting to catch on to that now. Yeah, pretty, pretty much. I, I always fade that because it's next year's class is always amazing. What, you know, mm-hmm. insert your year next, next year's class is the one you want. You don't want this year's, you know, that's what, that's what we hear every year, you know, because it, nothing bad has happened to next year's class yet. You know, it's, it, it's all promise and everything else. And, you know, so, you know, we don't have uh, people who are deciding to stay in school. We don't have, uh, you know, people who have bum seasons. We don't have players getting injured. We don't know any of that stuff yet. So of course it looks amazing. Uh, you know, so that's, I, I, I just, 
habitually fade that narrative. Maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong, but I just habitually do. I mean, look a year ago, Dan, right? A year ago, we had um, we had uh, spent, uh, Spencer Rattler and we had mm-hmm. Sam Howell as two of the best quarterback prospects in years. That was a year ago. And, and folks were, were hyping up the quarterback class. Now we're not sure about Sam Howell. And Spencer Rattler is playing for South Carolina and, and not <laughs> declared for the NFL draft. So you're absolutely right. And in George, a year ago, George Pickens uh, was, mm-hmm. you know, not injured and in, in looking to be, you know, a Jamar Chase caliber prospect. So there's a ton of variability. Plus, and, and you guys, you guys know this just as much as me. What does everybody love doing in March, in April, in May? They want to draft, man. Everybody wants the picks. Every player in a class could be trash, and people would want picks, right? There's yeah. just there's just an inherent well, value in holding on to those. People don't have that emotional attachment yet. I think most people, like obviously Matt, you know mm-hmm. these guys, guys like John, you guys that you know Andy Single, you guys like know these guys coming in. So guys that maybe take a little more time to to educate themselves on these guys, figure out where they place them, how they value them. You don't have that attachment yet to the names, right? Or the yeah. draft picks even that you're holding on your dynasty team. So it's a lot easier to kind of, it's kind of like getting rid of that draft pick that's two or three years down the road. It's a lot easier because there's no attachment to it yet. You know, whereas once the draft starts and the names start, you know, attaching to these picks, that's when people uh, maybe give more value to it. And then, like you said, they just want to draft, right? At the end of the day, that's what we want to do. So <laughs> it's like the, 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 the lottery ticket, you know, the, the, the lottery fest uh, with these rookies. Um, Dan, before I pass it to you, you know, we talk about these rookie drafts. Matt, should our audience be trading up, you think, uh, for this class? Or you're talking about depth. It sounds like maybe you're better off you know, maybe collecting seconds, maybe even thirds if if the trades are right? Yeah, you know, I, I think right now that the name of the game with this class is that uh, folks aren't fighting over the 101 this year. Uh, you know, even in super flex leagues, there's a lot of debate out there right now whether it will be a quarterback uh, as kind of a consensus 101 or if some of these talented wide receiver prospects in particular or running backs – can push for that 101 spot. And so there's not a lot of consensus. And so I would say, you know, if if you are a team that has a lot of holes and you have the 101 this year, see if you can slide back for the 103 and the 110, right? See if you could slide back for the 105, pick up a couple of extra twos, uh, pick up a future pick along with that. I I think this is definitely the year to try to break down those picks just because there's not a lot of consensus, so you you might get that same player that is your favorite at 104 instead of having to spend that 101 uh, and certainly understanding your league mates is part of that. So feel them out over the next couple months. But uh, this is a year where you're going to, I think, get some big hits in the late second round. You're going to get some good hits in the third round this year. I feel confident. Where do you see that first tear break? Like, where's where's that first line that we see in the sand? You know, that that's what usually people are looking for, that first, like, where do I need to place in that first round? Yeah, you know, right now I, I'm placing that, that big value drop uh, at 16. Uh, so uh, player 16 overall, so the 204, right, uh, in a super flex. So in a super flex, in a one quarterback, that's probably going to be closer to 112, uh, 112, 201. Uh, and, and I'll tell you, the last player that, that hits that tier is Jahan Dotson. And so wide receiver out of Penn State, I like him a ton. We're going to see, as we have consistently seen over the last couple of years, that bleed over into the second round 
there's going to be some smash wide receiver value. Guys like Jahan Dotson, a guy like David Bell, just because there's so much wide receiver talent that I think we're going to get some really good value at the top of the second. So don't sell your early second round picks. I think once you get into that mid to late second round, you could start thinking about, again, trading back, maybe getting a couple threes um, or, you know, kind of finessing otherwise. But if you're in a super flex league and you're hanging with one of those top 16 picks, Right now, you're sitting with some really good value. And what have we seen at the top of the second round, guys, the last couple of years? T. Higgins, Michael Pittman, right? These wide receivers that slide. Uh, some some folks let Jalen Waddle slide almost to the second round this past year, right? And so uh, Justin Jefferson was pushing early second round in some leagues, right? And so we've seen this wide receiver value smash from the guys that come in third and fourth in talented classes. How about with the the very top, um, especially in in a in a one QB league? W- would there be an elite tier at the top right now that are competing for your number one overall prospect, or do you have it pretty much a guy you're really targeting right now? Yeah, that's a good question, Theo. This year I broke down, uh, guys. I know you play in leagues with me, and you know I play only in super flex leagues, but I broke down because the people wanted it, and I do have one QB rankings this year as well. Uh, and so for me. Personally, it's it's a it's a tier of two uh, at the top. You're choosing between Isaiah Spiller or Traylon Burks, um, and and so for me, those guys are in a tier uh, of their own, and you can choose based on you know roster construction, positional value uh, between those two guys and who you want. Uh, Traylon Burks, high ceiling. So if the listeners aren't familiar with Traylon Burks, big bodied guy. I believe he he came in at uh, uh, most recently at 6'2", 225. I believe he was in the mid-220s. Wide receiver out of Arkansas, uh, ripped, yoked up dude, uh, took uh, touches at running back, uh, super athletic, speedy guy for his size, really good hands, contested catch monster, right? Uh, So, you know, don't want to draw one-to-one, but uh, similar to Debo's versatility, uh, but – with contested catch prowess. And so there's a ton to like about Traylon Burks where Isaiah Spiller is, is a good runner navigates really well, fluid, uh, elusive in tight space, good vision in between the tackles has some nice burst uh, and some nice downfield acceleration ability. And so uh, whether you're looking at wide receiver or running back, those are the two guys that I place at the top. I'll add in some people probably would add Brees Hall in that tier. I, I I have Spiller above Hall, but you know Hall is coming in at my 103 and one quarterback ranking, so that's probably where most folks would have it right there. All right, that's awesome. Makes sense. So, um, so Spiller, how do, how do you feel about him as a pass catcher? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, let me pull up my notes here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going way off script, by the way. So Yeah, no, no, no you're totally fine. This is why I have the notes. Um, yes. <laughs> so, so looking at uh, looking at Spiller here, not heavily targeted in the passing game uh, in 2020, but we did actually see a lot more of it in 2021. Uh, good hands when targeted. Uh, he actually shows the ability to react well to off-target passes. Uh, he plays well ag- along the sideline. Uh, and so I actually have multiple uh, tape examples here, looking at the Arkansas tape, looking at the Colorado tape where he flashed nice hands. Um, and that's key. You know, we learned a couple of years back, or I should say I learned a couple of years back when evaluating the running back position to never knock a, a running back prospect on, for his hands because he's not asked to do it, right? And so scheme plays into it a lot of the times. And, and it, it was panning out, actually, 
that Isaiah Spiller wasn't going to be heavily targeted in the passing game for Texas A&M this year. When their starting quarterback, Haynes King, went down, uh, Zach Calzada came in, a less experienced, uh, preferred walk-on guy, uh, and so he needed that check-down option. And so then Isaiah Spiller actually had the opportunity to show off his hands really consistently. Uh, and I mentioned his off-target ability. Calzada wasn't the most consistent guy, uh, so he really drove that Texas A&M offense kind of with that safety valve in the short field there. So I think he can do it. Uh, he's not going to be a pure PPR type guy, but I don't think it's unreasonable to project 40 to 50 targets for him, uh, depending on the offense he lands in, of course. And he's he's very young, too. It, that's That's got to be appealing to you as well for a running back to have a 20-year-old guy, 21, 20 or something like that for Spiller. Um, yeah, um, you know, it doesn't hurt. Uh, I'm not somebody who gets too caught up in age. I drafted Najee Harris everywhere. Uh, for me, honestly, uh, the way that I look at, at rookie running backs, uh, for fantasy football, if if I can ride out a rookie running back through their first contract, I don't care whether they come into the league at 20 or 24, or, you know, not 24, hopefully 22, right? Uh, because we've seen that drop off in Dynasty usually after that, that first contract. And so I'm really looking at it in a, in a three to four year span looking to get what I can out of him, and everything else is bonus after that. Uh, but you're right, Theo. It certainly doesn't hurt that he comes in younger. And the analytics folks that are listening are probably shaking their fist at me wildly, but that's just my <laughs> perspective on it. Um, we're talk- we talked about best balls, and, and maybe this relates just because that you know I'm in a bunch, Dan, Theo, I know we're in a bunch. Uh, sleepers, when we're looking at the different positions, do you have like one sleeper at each position you can give our audience, I know, like, especially in the late rounds of second half, uh, which Dan has taught me, Mr. Miyagi, to be very disciplined. And I try to only add rookies in the second half of my best ball draft. I don't always do that, Dan, but I know I remember you taught me that once. And that's a very wise, wise. Uh, actually, it's funny because I looked at my winning rosters this year, Dan. I want to tell you and across the board, no rookies before the 10th round in any of those rosters. So just a little interesting. You know, you hit those uh, same Browns later in the 20 some round that, that that really helps but um who are some sleepers matt that uh, our guys can grab their pens and papers right now and, and write down yeah that's a good question um all right so you know looking position by position uh i'm a big fan um uh, in but to put this in perspective i'm trying to think of guys that can make impact in 2022 because we're talking about it from a best ball perspective so that's a little bit of, of a shift for me uh the way i'm thinking about it uh Kyron Williams, I'm a big fan of out of Notre Dame. Um, you know, I, I really like what Kyron Williams can do. He He's flying a little under the radar, or I, I should say folks are proceeding with, with some cautious optimism on him. He's he's listed by Notre Dame at 5'9", 195. And, and that 195 is like that magic number, and, and folks don't want to touch the running back if he falls below that. We know college websites like to uh, – inflate weight a little bit but i gotta tell you this guy plays like he's 210 um and i know i know that that number does matter but he is a really really well-rounded back he's an aggressive back he's physical uh, and the reason i think he could see the field quickly of course you know depending on landing spot and what that backfield looks like he's an excellent pass blocker so nfl coaches are not going to put a running back on the field early if they can't trust him in pass protection and NFL, uh, he's the best pass blocker uh, in, in the draft, no doubt about it, the running back position. Um, and he's a great pass catcher. 
And and so I, when I compare his running style, I don't love comps, but sometimes I'll, I'll pull specific things. When he's running the ball on the ground, he reminds me a lot of Mark Ingram, but then add in a pass catching pr- uh, component to it. And so I like Kyron Williams a ton. The key with him is will he go top 100? If he's a top 100 pick or a day two pick, then I think we can really lean into Kyron Williams. And I think most folks are thinking of Isaiah Spiller, Brees Hall, um, Kenneth Walker, and then letting that tear break fall and then going for Kyron Williams after that. Um, as a really good point in the chat, you really do need to know landing spots for rookie sleepers in best ball. Um, and so just kind of playing off of that, the reason is, and this factors strongly into my uh, my rookie big board ratings on and how I rank these these players, um, I actually go in on draft weekend and put them into season-long projections once I know their team, right? Because that's going to give us a lot better opportunity. But the advantage that I have is I have a, a better feel for where their scheme could be. So I, I, I think when you're thinking about sleepers, you absolutely need to think about uh, what their potential landing spots are. I'm going to pause because I feel like I'm rambling a little bit, but that's my running back one. I don't know if you guys want me to go on to wide receiver, if you want to chop up Kyron Williams a little bit. No, that's, that's awesome. Kyron Williams stuff is awesome. I, I love I love hearing, hearing more about Kyron. Um, where are you at on Walker? Yeah, Walker's tough, man. Um, I do. I like Walker. I, I got to throw it out there because I feel like folks uh, have gotten a little bit of pushback on Walker's kind of in this weird dead zone, right? I, I like Kenneth Walker. You know, he's got a high motor. He's an explosive back. He's got good burst off the line of scrimmage. He cuts up field well. Uh, and, and at times, you know, he's super physical, great lower body strength. I think, and, and this is one of the 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 – kind of things that I've learned. I think the NFL might be a little lower on, on Kenneth Walker compared to the fantasy football community. And so I do think Walker ends up as that running back three. And I think, you know, this is a situation where I'm going to let the NFL tell me uh, exactly how to feel on a prospect, right? Sometimes when I'm, when I'm really torn on it, I look for that draft capital. Uh, right now I have been projected out to be uh, late day two, which is picks 50 to 102 for me. All players in that range kind of fit a similar draft capital profile. Um, and so if he goes top 50, if he goes higher than I expect, you know, I'm very well may push him above Brees Hall. He could be my running back too. And obviously, you know, depending on opportunity and volume, he could rise as high as running back one. I think he probably is safe as a top three running back unless he falls out of day two, which really would surprise me. So I'm in on Kenneth Walker, but I do think the fantasy community is overvaluing him just a little bit uh, because kind of what J.D. was alluding to earlier, if you don't watch college football in detail, Kenneth Walker is probably the running back you know because he was pushing for the Heisman. He He had some big plays. And so I think as we go through the draft process, folks learn about more guys and put them in a little bit more context with the rest of the class. All right. I'll, I'll throw one out there, too. How about uh, – and forgive me if I mispronounce this, but Tyler Algeyer? Yeah, Allgaier? yeah. I'm not going to try because I got told – I got some comments on my last uh, my last uh, <laughs> rookie mock draft video that I pronounced it wrong as well. So um, I, I Al, Algeyer? Um, and so – you know, he's a really interesting guy, and, and Algier is a great uh, great example of making sure that you watch tape over a period of time. Uh, he was on my summer scouting list, uh, and I watched his 2020 tape. was not a fan. Uh, I just did not like it. Went back, watched his 2021 tape, significant improvement, 
I liked what I saw a lot. Powerful back. Uh, I see some good upside in his tape. He pops off the line of scrimmage. He's got nice burst into the second level of the field. Kind of your very classic downhill runner. All right, he builds momentum well. I do think he lacks breakaway speed, which you know is never something you really want to hear for fantasy football. But he is a strong back. He's got great contact balance. He literally runs over defenders on tape. Now, let's put that in a little bit of perspective. The tape that I watched on him last year was Utah State, uh, University of Alabama, Birmingham, and we got, we're got we stepping it up here, boys, Arizona, all right, which I think had two wins this year, right? So he didn't play the toughest schedule. However, uh, he did well with what, you know, the competition that he, he was up against. And so another guy, Indianapolis is going to be huge for him. That athletic testing, because we know he's got the size – uh, he's coming in. Uh, I, I want. Let me pull up his exact measurable so I don't get it wrong. But he's coming in with good size. Uh, but it's going to be whether his athletic profile meets that size well. Uh, so he's coming in at five eleven two twenty. Uh, is what he's listed at. We'll see once he hits Indianapolis. If he tests well in the three cone, if he runs a good forty, if that agility is there and speed, then he he could be uh, end up being a day two draft pick. Right now, I do have him still projected as an early day three guy. In somebody right now that I won't have any exposure to because he's going mid-second round in the rookie drafts I'm doing, and I'm not willing to take him quite that high. There's just some other running backs that I have above him. He's my running back eight right now. Okay. I'll throw out one more running back, uh, not to go too running back heavy here. Jerome Ford, <laughs> who I just stole yes. in a best draft with um, – Yeah, we all know how bad Zero RB did this year. Okay, let's just uh... – Just go for it. Jerome, Jerome Ford. What do you think of Jerome Ford? Yeah, yeah. This is like an insider question. I don't know. Maybe Theo just follows me on Twitter. I'm a huge <laughs> Ford guy. Um, I was on Ford uh, well before this season. Uh, and so if, if you're not familiar with Jerome Ford's backstory, four-star recruit, high four-star recruit at a high school, uh, lands at Alabama. And so he spends his first uh, two years in college at Alabama, doesn't get on the field. He's playing behind Najee Harris. He's playing behind Damian Harris. You know, it, it's no wonder that is a behind Brian Robinson. So a loaded running back room transfers to Cincinnati. And in 2020, man, he popped some huge runs, but they wouldn't freaking let him on the field, dude. They were playing Jared Dokes over him. It was so frustrating. And I'm like, I just grabbed him everywhere in Debbie, everywhere in my campus can't leak. So I'm like, dude, once this guy hits the field, he's going to absolutely explode. And he did. He displays great strength, great contact balance, often getting yards after that first contact. I know that's something folks really like. I think he's going to be a really effective goal line back at the next level. So he's big. He plays strong. He plays physical. And he's not going to, to you know, nail the 40 time. Uh, you know, he's not going to be in the top percentile of the 40 time. But his downfield acceleration is at the top of the class. He's top three in the class with downfield acceleration. And that's huge for fantasy football, right? Because he can he has that home run hitting ability. And, and that could be, you know, 60-yard touchdown runs, 50-yard touchdown runs. So Ford's going to be really key. You know, his vision isn't uh, my, my favorite in the class. And that is something that can just absolutely kill a prospect's grade for me. So in my heart, Jerome Ford is a top five guy in this class. Right now, he's currently sitting at seven just because his vision is a little inconsistent. And for me, where that really plays into things is how uh, how's the offensive line going to look that he's playing behind, right? I had some vision concerns with Javante Williams. He plays behind the Denver offensive line. 
he's good to go, right? And so can Jerome Ford, and I'm not comparing them one-to-one because Javante Williams had a higher uh, grade for me coming out, but you know, can Jerome Ford be hidden a little bit behind offensive lines that give him more space? And if he gets to that second level, boys, he's gone. He's just got to get to it. Um, just because I've had it on the on the screen before uh, we go to some more questions, let's go to the the chat. Irish froze. Is it uh, wide receiver the deepest position of value? It seems like that's uh, where your head's at. Yeah, absolutely. I got to tell you guys, uh, I was telling you in the DMs, I was watching uh, Senior Bowl practice tape before we jumped on here. And I was like, man, I love Valus Jones Jr. And I'm, you know, I'm I'm updating his score a little bit, you know, adjusting NFL draft projections, draft cap, lots of things go into my rankings. And I'm like, man, Alex, Alec Pierce, dude, out of Cincinnati, one of my favorite sleepers. And then I'm looking and I'm like, dude, they're wide receiver 16 and 17. And I'm hype on these guys, right? <laughs> like I I'm looking down here. I love Amika MZ uh, at a North Carolina State. He's 23rd uh, in, in Jarris Stearns. He's wide receiver 29. He's really good out of Western Kentucky. And so, yeah, dude, if you're in one of these leagues that that's 16 teams or drafts five or six rounds, you're going to be, you're going to be taking some good stabs at wide receiver well into the end of your draft. Guys smash the like button. Cause Matt is just dropping some serious goodness. Um, I hope you're taking notes cause uh, this, this is how you get that edge right over all the other D gens in your league. Like me who aren't maybe up to date, like, uh, like Matt is, but no, I love the goodness guys. Uh, let, let's give a quick word to uh, our partners at the FFC. They got some big things going on right now. We talked about uh, best balls going on. You can buy uh, orphans on there. You can also uh, actually go to dynasty depot for that as well. And, uh, but, um, what is it, Dan? I want to talk about. Wow. Pure fart. The, uh, too early, the too oh, early, yeah, the way too early best ball. Yes, sir. Why don't you, well, I'll just pass it over to you, man. I'm, I'm right. over here. Yeah. So the, the, uh, the, I believe they call it the way too early or, um, that it's a best ball contest that is happening. Never too early. That's never too. I just pulled it up. Yes. Yeah, never. Too. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, it, it all, all the drafts are going to take place before the NFL draft. So um, this contest will close when the NFL draft happens, which means it's going to be a small field. Um, it's going to really count on like how well you know some of the rookies and so forth and how well you can piece together also, um, you know, just what's going to happen in the overall NFL landscape, uh, free agent wise and everything else wise. So, uh, you know, if you're, if you're, uh, if you feel like you're pretty good at uh, kind of figuring out what's going to happen before it happens, this is a great tournament to get into because you're going to have a, an advantage over the field. And also it's kind of a small field too. So, uh, you know, you're not going up against 8,000 people or anything like that. Uh, I believe it's, uh, it's just a little over a thousand people if I remember right. Yeah. So, it's not, it's not a big pool at all. Yeah. So tons and tons of fun on that. Uh, JD and I have a team going on it right now. Uh, we're, we're hard and heavy into round 13 and, uh, it's been a lot of fun and I'm, I'm excited to get some more teams going in it. Super fun. And guys, you're watching, you like best ball show up to the 10 PM live or the 10 30 live on the weekdays, Mondays, Tuesdays. I'm in there with like four other guys every night waiting <laughs> for you guys to show up last night. It was finally filled. There was one spot left and, uh, our boy, the Shiva, Eric, reached out he's like there's one spot left i'm like dude i got some tonight and then i just like just picking up my head i'm like forget it i'm signing up i've been waiting like all week for this <laughs> so i ended up drafting another one um but no man they're a ton of fun guys the ffpc there's if you're in a, 
um, fantasy. There's there's no other site, man, that uh, that has this many options. Uh, <laughs> Wheeler in the in the comments. All right, guys, let's get back to the goodness. Get back to these rookies, Theo. Why don't you throw one on the table? Uh, so, kind of a, a quick one with COVID restrictions being a factor the past two seasons. Um, it kind of led to less tape, less access on campus, and even less games played, especially last season, or the, I should say the season before this past season. Um, how has this affected scouting? Do you think that guys are going to slip through the cracks a little bit more, um, or do you think that, that it's has it, made, has it made your life more difficult, and, and will it be making NFL teams' uh, lives more difficult? You know, I think it's interesting. I think the biggest impact we're seeing uh, – as, as kind of um, a, a consequence of COVID, for lack of a better word, is the the amount of players in this year's class. This year's class is huge, uh, and there's going to be a lot of talented players that go undrafted. The extra COVID year uh, allowed more players to stay in college last year uh, and just kind of increase the number of eligible players coming into this year uh, and so, you know, I uh, just for reference here, I put every offensive player that declares for the NFL draft on the rookie big board last year. That was one hundred and sixty five. Uh, now, I like uh, I watch a lot of uh, tape. Not everybody gets an evaluation, but uh, this year it's two hundred and twelve. Uh, and they're all in the database. They all get a score. They don't all get a tape evaluation. <laughs> um, but, you know, that's and that's just the offensive skill position players. <laughs> that's just quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, right? Uh, and so if you kind of multiply that across all the other positions, you know, you can kind of get an idea of, and, and I mentioned that to say, if you have a player that you, you know, he's your sleeper, you're in on him, and he's a, he's a, you know, preferred undrafted free agent, right? Which means... He doesn't go drafted, but he gets signed within the first 24 to 48 hours after the draft. If you're in on that guy, stay in on him. You know, that could have been a fifth-round pick last year. Uh, and so I, I, I give that perspective, especially when you think about fantasy. There's just more guys out there. Uh, and so it does make it harder to figure out who to watch, when to watch them. Um, but, you know, that from my perspective, that that's what I can offer. I, I think from an NFL draft perspective, there's – a lot of other factors that went into it. And I think what NFL teams probably uh, have been missing out the most on is that personal access. They like to get to know players. They like to get to know the character of players if they think that they're going to be a fit beyond just skill set. Um, and so that that personal interaction uh, through the combine, uh, through extra touch points at Senior Bowl, the interviews, I think that is probably what NFL teams have missed out the most on. But I think getting into this year's draft cycle, it's a little bit more consistent uh, and kind of back to what it has traditionally looked like. Breaking news, guys. Breaking news live on the air. Doug Peterson going to the Jaguars, Ian Rapoport, and our buddy uh, Irish Froze reporting. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's all right. I mean, at least they've got a professional coach and, uh, you know, professional general manager at this point. Uh, looks like Spielman's probably going to take that job. So, yeah, Dan, Dan tweeted about that earlier. I thought that was a great call you had, Dan. Um, your take on Spielman to Jacksonville? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean he's not perfect, but uh, you know he's a he's a big step up from what they've had for sure. Um, Matt, running backs. 
Did you ask? Did you ask the trade question yet, uh, Theo? No, I I made I, I talked to Matt a little bit in the uh, the pre-show, and um, I consulted with Dan and, and JD doing this trade this week. I took over a team I bought. Uh, shout out to Dynasty Depot. I bought a team on the depot, um, and I had I liked my team a lot, but I, I wanted to um, you know kind of make a few changes, um, and I moved Derrick Henry, Deonta Foreman, and the two hundred eight. Uh, for the 101 and the 201. I wanted to get a little younger. Um, I also have A.J. Brown on that team. I didn't want to have, uh, you know, full in on the Titans. Um, and also, I didn't want to necessarily carry an older running back, even one as, as great as Derrick Henry. What do you think about that trade, that trade match, just in context with with your knowledge of this, this draft class? Yeah, I mean, I think the key points here, and it's kind of what we've been talking on. you got two of those picks in the top 16, right? So I think you've gotten above that second-round tier break. And you have a couple months to break down that pick a little bit, right? So, again, kind of what we were talking about with that 101, break that down if you can get the 104 and the, and the 110, you know, and kind of just build out some depth on that piece. But, you know, I think Derrick Henry is a perfect running back to have on your dynasty roster if you think you're winning the ship next year. Otherwise, get out. <laughs> get out, mm-hmm. right, because he's got one or two more good years uh, as good as he's been. So I, I think that's a smart pick. I think that's a, that's a good move. And, you know, Theo, even if it comes down to, you know, somebody offers you the 106 and a, a first-round pick next year, that, that you know, looking at those, you know, to come down from the 101, I think those are all good moves. Or sit there at the 101 and take who you like. I, I think it's a good move overall. Well, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that Burks has a – great landing spot because I'm I'm starting to get super listening to you talk about him and a couple other people I respect I'm starting to get super excited about him man you and me both uh the the now I will say Burks he, he he's raw in certain areas he's got to develop his route running a little bit but route running is not something that oftentimes is a is a is a barrier for fantasy football success right and so if he lands in an offense that's gonna feed him the ball man whoo the sky is the ceiling. He can I mean, he can get it done on the ground. He can get it done through the air. He's going to score touchdowns. Oh, man. It can be good. All right, awesome. Theo. The, the, the chat loves your trade, by the way. Yeah, appreciate uh, that. I always appreciate Wheeler blessing his blessing of trade. Shout out to Wheeler. <laughs> I appreciate that, Wheeler. It would have crushed my spirits if Wheeler said, I don't like that trade as well. So I'll throw that out there, too. Um, see, I was referring more to this question, Theo. You, you at the two ends of the spectrum last year with Trey Sermon and Elijah Mitchell. Do, do we have one of each of these this year, uh, Matt? Is there someone maybe picking up hype coming into, uh, you know, as we approach the draft? And then is there, because you talked about a lot of talent not even getting drafted this year, so maybe higher chance of getting these undrafted guys later in your rookie drafts that that might pop. Or are there a couple names that you might have uh, maybe on either end of that that mm-hmm. spectrum? Yeah, potential you know, riser Trey, to avoid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's that's a, that's a good, that's a really good question. That's a really like, uh, that's a really niche thought. So that's good, uh, you know. And maybe this is probably recency bias, right? Because this is literally happening right now. Um, but if you look, if you think back to Trey Sermon, right? Trey Sermon was a highly touted guy, big recruit, uh, kind of produced at Oklahoma. You know, didn't really produce transfers to Ohio State. Doesn't really produce, gets hot towards the end. So he really rode the second round off of some good tape and in recruiting pedigree. Uh, and somebody who could fit in a similar box, and I'm not, you know, 
not drawing a one-to-one comparison, but but Damon Pierce uh, out of Florida is getting a lot of hype right now at a senior bowl week. He was horribly utilized at Florida, uh, but that's kind of, and it was consistent and he struggled to ever get that, that top notch volume, but he's a, he's a high pedigree recruit coming out of high school. Uh, you know, lands with Florida, a run heavy offense, and he kind of gets spotty production, but he goes to the senior bowl. He's looking explosive. He's looking powerful. Uh, and so that, that pedigree plus some momentum, he's got good size. He could ride that into day two territory. And at that point, that draft capital could, uh, and will warrant second round, you know, drafting uh, in rookie drafts. And then, you know, that bottom could potentially fall out. So uh, again, not drawing a one-to-one in skill set. Uh, Pierce is a little bit more of an in-between the tackles type back, a little bit more of a power back, uh, limited with his pass catching ability, which is always a big red flag for me too. You better be really good in between the tackles uh, if you're not going to necessarily uh, project with that pass catching ability. On the flip side of that, you know, a couple guys that that could be uh, kind of towards the, the bottom of the draft here, but but still look really good. Uh, one guy that I really liked his tape for is Deshaun Corbin out of Florida State. Uh, Corbin kind of has an interesting history. He was a high-profile recruit, four-star guy, I believe a high four-star, uh, originally at Texas A&M. Gets some touches, but really kind of struggles to get on the field. Uh, goes to Florida State, pops early, gets injured, has to come back from the injury. So he has limited tape, but he's a sneaky good prospect. He's got good size. Uh, He's got uh, the skills to be an impact player. He bursts off the line of scrimmage. He really shoots off the line of scrimmage. Uh, Corbin gets to the second level of the field really quickly in high-end straight-line acceleration. So another guy that has that big play potential. He's a super aggressive back, uh, so he is willing to smash in between the A-gap. I like that when you can combine that aggressiveness with that – uh, that second gear ability. Uh, and he has some some twitch and elusiveness to his game. So right now he, I have him projected as a, a late day three pick just because he hasn't gotten uh, as much of that volume, but he has the recruiting pedigree and he has the skill set that I really like. Uh, and so he's definitely somebody that I'm keeping my eye on. Um, and then another guy, you, you know, I think the takeaway with Elijah Mitchell for me, and I missed on Elijah Mitchell. Um, it, it's it's so difficult sometimes to pull a prospect out of the scheme that they're playing in, and I think that's where a lot of folks missed on Elijah Mitchell. He has some pretty good. You're telling me uh, I was on someone you you were you weren't. Uh, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you're smarter than me, JD. We've talked about this, man. But I, I just, mean, when you I just surround myself by people that are smarter than me, you know? <laughs> people smarter than me, apparently. Uh, you, when you look at Mitchell, man, he he explodes so well through that second level of the field. But if you flip on his tape, man, he never got to the second level of the field because he wasn't ever uh, – he was kind of put into a box of, of, a, of a power scheme, and it was so difficult for him to find that space to get to the second level of the field. And so that's why he ends up falling to the set, you know, late day three, but then he gets to camp and beats out Trey Sermon. So uh, another guy you know, that may fit a similar type mold is Kevin Harris out of South Carolina. He had a ton of momentum going into this year. Lost a lot of it. South Carolina switched offensive court, or they switched head coaches. They switched offenses here, uh, but and so and then Harris actually split time with Saquandre White, who is another prospect uh, to watch for. I would say at the back end of your rookie drafts this year, very different reasons. You know, I think Harris uh, hits the hole hard. He can shoot to the second level of the field, but again, sometimes it was hard for him to show that ability. 
Uh, he, I think, in particular, can be a good goal line back at the next level. So that could come with some, you know, limited or, or particular fantasy football value, I should say. But he's a really reliable checkdown option, and he's good in pass protection. So I think he can be a part of a, a running back by committee for a while. And you know, guys, you stash these these running back by committee type guys on your, on the you know the bottom of your roster. You stash them on your taxi squad. Then it only takes a couple guys to go down with injury, which happens for running backs. And then you got Chris Carson, right? So, uh, you know, he's he's a good guy to, to kind of hold around at the back end of your draft. Quite honestly, he might not make it off the board in 48 picks, right? So, uh, you know, just somebody to keep your eye on there. All right. Sounds good. Let's, uh, let's kind of switch over to quarterback a little bit and talk about the quarterbacks. Um, you know, as you said, this was a, a, a class that at one point was, you know, we thought it might be a good quarterback class and now everybody seems really down on the quarterbacks. How do you, how do you feel about the quarterbacks as a whole? Um, is there, is there one or two that you're particularly excited about or one or two that you think might uh, be, you know, like landmines that people are going to trip over? Where, where are you at? As, as, yeah, Malik, inter- as Malik Willis uh, trends on Twitter, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> well, for good reason, you know, it's an interesting quarterback class. And, and I think, what scares folks is that if there isn't the quarterback, right? If, if they don't feel like there is a consensus dude, then they don't want to, then, then folks get scared of the class in general, right? So if there isn't the Trevor Lawrence, uh, if there isn't the Joe Burrow, folks get a little bit nervous. Now, uh, for me, there's four quarterbacks uh, that, that are in tier one right now, and they could end up in any order, but I do feel confident they're going to be the tier one quarterbacks. So it's Kenny Pickett at a pit. It's Matt Corral out of Mississippi. It's Malik Willis out of Liberty. And it's Sam Howell out of North Carolina. And I think they all kind of bring different things to the table. Kenny Pickett, as a quarterback prospect, does everything very well. Right now, as it sits in this moment, Kenny Pickett is my quarterback one in this year's class because he does everything well. He's got great arm talent. Uh, He has the ability to adjust velocity to all three levels of the field. He has good anticipation. Now, he's not a burner, but he's mobile. Like he can move around the field. He doesn't lose one of my favorite things. He doesn't lose accuracy when throwing on the run. He's got good mechanics and he holds those mechanics even when throwing on the run. Uh, Matt Corral. Here's the thing about Matt Corral. And and I don't think folks really understand this because he was this fun, flashy guy for college football, right? He was lighting it up in Lane Kiffin's offense. Matt Corral is a game manager. And I don't mean that in a bad way. It's this negative term that folks have really adopted. But Matt Corral has good mental processing. He has good arm strength, not elite arm strength. He has really good accuracy. Uh, He's got uh, good mechanics. They need to be tweaked up a little bit. But Matt Corral was only a one-year starter for Mississippi. Um, And he's mobile. Now, I I think (laughs) – I don't don't love this comparison because I I don't love the quarterback that I'm going to compare him to. But for fantasy purposes – you know, I'm seeing some similarities between Matt Corral and Baker Mayfield. I like Matt Corral better as a prospect, but I'm just trying to put his mobility and arm strength in context for you. And remember, one of the reasons that Baker struggles is because he is in a run-heavy offense, right? Um, and so he doesn't have that touchdown upside for fantasy purposes. But you put Matt Corral uh, with a team that he's been linked up to a lot, Ron Rivera with the Washington football team, 
You got you got F one that he's passing to. Is it the commies, Dan? Oh yeah, no, yes, they're the Washington ladies. football team. We we ain't doing <laughs> the, the commies. Count, all right, <laughs> we're calling them the yeah. commies. We don't care. Yeah, they, they came out with the uh, with the red flags or whatever. I was like, come on, guys, think things through. Think things through. Uh, but you you put him in that offense. I, I, he could be quarterback one. Malik Willis, here's the thing with Malik Willis, and, and here's why, and he's not he's my quarterback three right now. Malik Willis could end up my quarterback one in this year's class, and here's why. Uh, whenever there's ambiguity in fantasy football, my, my golden rule, you go for upside. Malik Willis, he's got upside, man. He's got a cannon. He is very athletic. He's not just mobile. He's athletic. He's elusive when he's running the ball. He has good field vision. Uh, and he has that dual threat ability. So when it comes to fantasy football, if you can run the ball well as a quarterback, uh, that provides a tremendous amount of upside. And if I'm not sure who I'm drafting, I'm drafting upside. That's rookie drafts. That's dynasty drafts. That's the way I play. You don't play fantasy football scared, right? So that's and, – and Malik Willis uh, had a good day two and uh, day three of the senior bowl. So folks are, are you know, pushing up his NFL draft projection. Then there's Sam Howell, man. Like, Sam Howell is good. I, I don't know, you know, how else to say it. He was good. He was great as a, as a true freshman at North Carolina three years ago. And because he was great so early, folks wanted him to keep progressing, and he just kind of stayed good, <laughs> you know. And so uh, this past year at North Carolina, he loses uh, he loses Diami Brown. Uh, he lost uh, another wide receiver, Humphrey, heading Daz Newsom. He lost Michael Carter. He lost Javante Williams. And my goodness, did that offensive line downgrade for him. So here's the thing with Sam Howell. His mental processing becomes a little suspect when he's under pressure. And he was under pressure a tremendous amount of the time. So this this link to the Pittsburgh Steelers offensive uh, line, that makes me a little nervous. But you put him behind the Denver offensive line, I'm in. So it's going to depend on scheme. It's going to depend on the weapons that are going to be there to support these young quarterbacks. Uh, but those are the, the four guys in my top tier. Once you get past that, there's serious uh, questions about Carson Strong's injury history. Uh, Desmond Ritter is not it. Do not draft Desmond Ritter. You won't catch me doing it. Bailey Zappi is fun as heck. I, I, I'll probably stash him in a few spots. Uh, and then don't draft him. If anybody tells you to draft a quarterback that is not one of the ones that I just listed here, uh, do just don't do it. Just do not do that and unfollow them on Twitter. I don't know. How, how, how do you feel about that, Matt? <laughs> there's, there's nobody else. I promise you. There's nobody else. All right. Uh, so, I, I had a quick, so let's, quick, let's quick. go back to Willis real quick. Uh, you know, the kind of the comp I have for him in my head is uh, Jalen Hurts. Is that a good comp, bad comp? What, how yeah. do you feel about that? You know, um, you know, I hate comps, but, <laughs> but I actually, okay, in, in, but in terms of, of who Malik Willis reminds me of, and I'm not drawing a one-to-one, but in terms of play style, I would say the, the player that he most closely resembles for me uh, is Lamar Jackson. And the reason I say that is because of the pure athleticism that he plays with. Hertz is very mobile. And I think that he sees the field well when he's running the ball, he throws well on the run. Uh, Malik Willis is elusive, man. I mean, he makes guys miss in open space. And, you know, he he runs with this confidence similar to what Lamar runs with, right? He doesn't take a ton of unnecessary hits. He understands when to step out of bounds. But I think he fully embraces his legs as a weapon along with his arm. Now, Malik Willis, 
mechanics are, are worse than what, what Lamar Jackson was at. Um, but Malik Willis has had an interesting situation, man. Uh, Force, uh, four-star prospect for Auburn ends up losing out the job to Bo Nix. Very controversial transfers to Liberty and he didn't really have the chance to develop at Liberty because that offensive line was absolutely garbage. So they, Hugh Freeze was pretty much out there telling Malik Willis to just huck the ball each week or run it, and it worked, right? They were winning games. So he he can absolutely develop at the next level. He's got to develop those mechanics, but he has a better pure arm strength than Lamar Jackson too. So that and so when we're talking about upside, man, he's got a cannon and he can run the ball. We just got to work on the mental side of that game. Yeah, just under a thousand yards rushing in yep. his last two uh, last two seasons. I made it look easy. You got a couple Cam Newton comments <laughs> in, the, in, the, yeah. in the Twitter land. Not um, quite big, not not big enough. He, Cam was Cam's big man. Yeah, yeah, he's a tank. Maybe but, Sam Howell. Sam Howell might play a little bit more like Cam, but nobody plays like Cam. Theo, anything else on uh, QBs before we hit tight ends? No, I, I I remember last year how how you and you and John pretty much nailed the the QB spot um, when we had you guys on uh, together. Would you would pick it? How would he fall? This is kind of a hard question because we don't know landing spots or draft capital at this point. But how would he fall just as a prospect? You know, when you start getting into the let's say the, the Mac Jones level of last year, would he would he be somebody you prefer to Mac Jones just as a prospect or? Would he be somebody behind Mac Jones? I know you both were not high on, on Wilson, if I recall, but Mac Jones was, was I think, your quarterback four last year, um, and you were pretty bullish on him. Yeah, that's a really good question. So right now, my rookie big board rating on Kenny Pickett is 8.1, which puts him as a league winner. So that is, uh, that's like a low-end quarterback one, high-end quarterback two. And let me pull up. Uh, my last year's board at the end of the at the end of the draft last year, I had Mac Jones at a seven seven, uh, which was a high end weekly starter, which is like one tier down a weekly starter for Superflex. You know, you're living in that like QB twenty to twenty four range. So, I have Kenny Pickett slightly higher at this point in time. Um, here's the key with Kenny Pickett, uh, and, and I mentioned I think he's good at a lot of things. Uh, and I think that could potentially give him quarterback one overall NFL draft capital, uh, which could be good or bad, right? As I could see the Giants falling in love with Kenny Pickett. Uh, <laughs> that's maybe not what you want, right? Uh, and so, uh, but here's the other, and, and this is uh, might sound like ridiculous for some folks that don't follow the draft too closely, like the big deal on Kenny Pickett, and this has been a big deal, but it kind of came, uh, it's kind of gotten re-highlighted uh, from Senior Bowl week in Mobile. Kenny Pickett has small hands. Uh, and for, <laughs> it's something that NFL evaluators, <laughs> I always think of the Stephen A. Smith, the Kwame Brown skit. I don't know. Oh, that's not even a skit. That was a real thing. I don't know if anybody remembers that. But like, uh, but, but Kenny Pickett has small hands. I think... So he was most recently, or, or scouts feel, I believe the, the consensus out there is that he has like eight and a quarter inch hands, which would put him at like the third percentile of NFL players, uh, NFL quarterbacks. Like uh, they, evaluators want you at like nine and a quarter to nine and a half inch hands. Uh, and Kenny Pickett actually did not measure his hand size at the Senior Bowl this week. He claimed it was because he's double jointed in his thumb. I don't know. So, so, so uh, double jointed in the thumb, is that going to help him or hurt him as a passer? 
<laughs> apparently hurt him. I don't know, man. But but it's it's interesting, you know, because uh, if you go and watch Kenny Pickett versus North Carolina this past year, it was a pouring rain game. Like, dude, you can't even see the tape at the end of the game because it's pouring so hard. And he had no problems with grip. That's why that's why evaluators worry about hand size. Can mm-hmm. you grip the football? How are you going to play in poor weather? Um, the release. Uh, he's got a beautiful release on the ball, uh, but he wears two gloves when he plays uh, and on his throwing hand. So uh, there's a lot of things to consider there with Kenny Pick. And I only bring that up to say that may turn an NFL team or two off of him. And so he may end up sliding a little bit in the draft. And if he does slide into a lower tier, then he'll probably be more in that Mac Jones range uh, where he has a little bit, you know, uh, a little bit more of a capped upside to him. But as of right now, I think if you put Kenny Pickett at the helm of a weapon uh, of an offense with good weapons, then he has QB one potential. But you know, uh, it could be limited if he has to be the guy that that carries the whole offense. We we could see some limitations there. Okay, was it, uh, was how it, NFL ready do you think he is? I mean, you know, like are you talking uh, yes. QB QB one year one, or are you talking about uh, you know he might need a year or two to get there? No, Kenny Pickett is the most NFL ready of of this class. You know, if you're thinking about. Uh, you know, take the four quarterbacks that I threw out there as the top tier, and you need to win week one. You're putting mm-hmm. Kenny Pickett out there, and and the reason you're doing that is because Kenny Pickett has really good mental processing ability. He works through his progressions well, uh, and, and he has the ability. Uh, I think I mentioned this earlier, but he, but he has really good uh, touch on the ball and ability to adjust it at different levels of the field. And I think uh, that is really, uh, I think that really plays into his favor. Uh, and, and he, and he's got some, uh, confidence behind him. Uh, you know, he's got some gunslinger mentality. He's willing to throw a ball in a tight window and he, and he can get it there. So I think Kenny Pickett, uh, he had the longest tenure in college. He had four full years as a starter. Uh, he started as a true freshman at Pitt, played all the way through. Uh, and so he has the experience. He's got the mental processing ability. Uh, I also think Carson Strong would probably be pretty uh, pro-ready in terms of mental processing. I'm not sure uh, just about, you know, where he'll fall in the draft. I don't think he'll start right away. And a great, great, great question yeah. from uh, Irish F-Rose or Irish Froze. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> but it's a great question either way. How many, at the end of the day, how many of these quarterbacks were in the first round? I'd say four. I, I think it's going to be four. And here's the thing, you know, and, and even if the draft class is low, right? Uh, Pickett's going in the first round, confident. Corral is going in the first round, confident. Uh, Malik Willis, some mocks have put him in, some mocks have put him out. Malik Willis is going in the first round. Well, you round. said he's I Lamar think. Jackson, so last pick of the yeah. first round, no? Last pick of the first round. Well, that's the key, though. You're, you're, you're <laughs> teeing me up, J.D., because – they're not they're not going to let Sam Howell fall out of the first round because what's going to happen is uh say the uh, perfect example New York Giants right they might go quarterback with one of their top two picks they might not uh but if they're sitting there at the back end of the second round and they haven't uh and there's a quarterback that they like on say they say oh you know Sam Howell you know we like him yeah, he, he's worth rostering and he's sitting there at 27 28 and, and he hasn't been drafted yet the Giants are going to move up. To, for example, the Giants would move up to get into the first round because when you draft that quarterback in the first round, even if you think he's going to fall to you in the second, you get the bonus year. You get the fifth year on the rookie contract, and there is nothing more valuable in the NFL 
than the bonus year on the rookie quarterback contract, right? Because that's when they're playing the best. And you could have a Super Bowl winning quarterback uh, that you're paying rookie contract money to, right? The back end of the first round. So for that reason, at least four, it wouldn't shock me if Desmond Ritter slips into the first round. Uh, I don't think he should, but Jordan Love went in the first round, so anybody can go in the first round. Uh, And if Carson Strong's medicals check out, uh, then he could potentially go in the back end of the first round. But I think either way, four is probably the max. I don't really see five going off the board. So maybe Howell slips and one of the other guys, you know, gets in or, but probably four. Yeah. Positional scarcity is always going to drive that too. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, there's just, there's never enough good quarterbacks and people, you know, by the time you get down to the, you know, the bottom end of the first round, uh, you know, most years, the, the talent level has dropped off at a lot of other positions. So, you know, teams are going to be more or willing to say, you know, hey, this is a great place to gamble on a quarterback because of, you know, number one, I mean, scarcity, and number two, exactly what you're saying. You know, that fifth-year option there's is, is you know, it's, it's like platinum-covered gold. Positional scarcity, and Dan, every quarterback or every coach in the NFL thinks they can be the one to make the quarterback, right? Right. And so that plays into it, too. We don't have my quarterback. I, I can do it. I see his flaws. I can fix that guy, right? Every coach in the NFL thinks that, and, and they'll they'll push up those quarterbacks because of it. Yep. How about the tight end position? Um, we last year we had, you know, Kyle Pitts mania, and then Pat Fryermuth was also a guy yes. I know you, were, you were bullish on, um, and he ended up crushing go district favorite Pat Fryermuth. But um, how does this year's class shape up? Um, you know, Trey McBride – Weidermeyer, is there anybody that you really like out of this class? And is there anybody that could be potentially, you know, fantasy friendly right away? Yeah, Trey McBride's the dude. I mean, he crushed it in college, just racked up the yards. Here's what I like about McBride, dude. He's really versatile. I think he can contribute through the air uh, quickly in the NFL. He's got great hands. He's showing up at Mobile. Uh, One of the top two or three guys that I'm hearing hype about. Uh, you know, I, I've heard some folks, you know, claim that he's got the best hands in Mobile. That includes the wide receivers that are there. Hmm. Uh, for his, for the fact that he's a tight end, he's a fluid athlete. Uh, he builds momentum working well downfield. Uh, he's got a large catch radius, dude. You put it in the vicinity, Trey McBride is hauling the ball in. He wins in one-on-one situations. He's got, he's got aggressive handwork, uh, and so. I think he has the ability to contribute there. He also has the ability to put his hand in the ground and be an inline blocker. And so for that reason, I don't think it's going to take him a while to get on the field. Sometimes that's the limitation with tight ends, right? If they can't block right away, they won't always get on the field for an NFL roster. So McBride's the dude. Weidemeyer's an interesting guy. You know, he's been somebody who in those Devi circles, he's been, you know, the tight end one or two or three in this class for the past two or three years because he was a high-profile guy. Uh, Texas A&M didn't throw the ball well, but when they did, Watermeyer looked good. He's super athletic. Uh, he's got good speed, good fluidity. He has the ability to gain yards after the catch. Uh, you know, he does have a limited route tree, but what he does run, he runs well. He runs a nice post route. He runs a good corner route. And Wondermeyer for his size can break off a nice comeback route as well. Uh, and so, and he's he's a effective anchor in pass protection. He's got you know good footwork there as well. So I think Wondermeyer and Turner, are, I'm sorry, Wondermeyer and McBride are going to be the two top guys off the board. Uh, and then it comes down to Cole Turner out of Nevada, another good pass catcher. 
Uh, good combination of athleticism and handwork, fluid athlete, uh, good ball tracking ability. Uh, and then the last guy really that I'm interested in significantly is Isaiah Likely out of Coastal Carolina. Isaiah Likely has kind of been the dude that's gaining a lot of momentum late. Um, you know, I know you hear Coastal Carolina and you you probably assume that he's a low-end recruit, actually a four-star recruit uh, out of the Massachusetts area, chose to go down and play at Coastal Carolina, probably just wanted to chill out at the beach for a couple of years. It worked out well for him because the Chanticleers gained momentum while he was there. Uh, but he is like the kind of when you think of your, your uh, prototypical athletic pass catching fantasy football upside tight end, like think like Evan Ingram esque um, in just in terms of skill set, you kind of have like Isaiah likely to a degree. Right. Uh, and so he speeds up quickly. He accelerates well downfield. He's got good vertical ability. He, he gains yards after the catch. I think he's going to come with a little bit lower of draft capital. He could potentially go late day two, early day three. With his senior bowl momentum, I, I pushed him up to a top 100 pick, which has you know boosted him a little bit. But all the guys that I listed here, um, you know, we're talking about like what I call flex filler, which for the tight end position is like tight end. You know, you're you're looking at like tight end two. You know, not somebody that you're plugging into your lineup consistently, likely, but somebody that's good to have on your bench, fills in for bye weeks. If you're playing in tight end premium leagues, then these guys can become starters. Uh, so that that's kind of the range that we're falling into. There's there's no Kyle Pitts this year, uh, nor the next 10 years, I got to tell you. Uh, and then, uh, you know, I, I think maybe we're looking more along the lines of hoping somebody hits the way Pat Frermuth hit. The Muth. Yes. Muth. Um, who's your guy this year, Matt? Like if there's one guy that you're just the one dude that you want to walk out of as many drafts, rookie drafts as possible with. You can be oh, multiple man. guys too if you want to go if you want to go multiple. Give us your top too, three. Your top three, because we know we know how degen you are, man. You're you're like one of us, man. You're just degen <laughs> knee deep into these rookies. The de- yeah, that- the Devi dynasty man. I'll uh, I'll try to give some some different uh, since you since you were kind enough to give me multiple choices, I'll, I'll kind of try to give you some different you know guys that I feel like I'm gonna you know target at, at different points of the draft. And so, uh, one guy uh, that that I am uh, consistently higher on uh, than everybody else is Chris Olave. I really like Chris Olave, and I think I'm going to end up with a lot of exposure uh, because. It doesn't seem like folks like him as much as I do. People, you know, have him in their tier one or two. He's, of he's been popular in the best balls. I, yeah, I've yeah. seen him, seen him pretty regularly in the best balls. Yeah, those are my guys. My, you know, my, the the patrons are listening to, <laughs> nice. to me and, and specifically targeting Dan's best ball leagues. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> but he he's a super well rounded wide receiver. Uh, tremendously consistent hands. Great catch radius for his size. Here's what I love. I love his release off the line of scrimmage. It's one of the things that I think folks do not value enough. Wide receivers that consistently create space with that first step off the line of scrimmage, a good release off press coverage, that is a trait that translates very well for me. He plays really well off man and zone coverage, and he he has really fluid body control. All right, He plays over the middle of the field very well. I think he has a really high floor. And I think that comes with some good upside as well, especially if he can land in a volume type situation. I'm not drawing a one-to-one skill set comparison with Chris Olave in, in this player that I'm about to mention, 
But I want to bring it up because I'm seeing his value be underappreciated in a very similar way. Alave reminds me of how I was able to get so much Jalen Waddle this last year. He's been so good for so long that folks have gotten bored of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really, everybody wanted Alave to come out last year. And once mm-hmm. he didn't declare, he didn't have the age and the analytics community backed off of him. And, and so I, I think, and then the tape community gets bored easily. All right. We get bored easily. And so, but I'm sticking to my guns. I think he's a first round pick. I think when folks see how high he's going to go in the NFL draft, it might push his ADP up a little bit, but let's keep it down for now. Um, you know, I'll, I'll stick with wide receiver moving a little bit further down the draft here. And I know it's somebody that uh, that was mentioned in the DMs, and it might even be on the show sheet, but I'll just jump it here. Christian Watson, man, I got to tell you, I-, I watched Christian Watson tape. Uh, so Christian Watson out of North Dakota State University, wide receiver. I watched his tape, and I was like, man, this guy's athletic. He's quick. He's kind of gadgety, and I don't mean that in a bad way. And then I'm like, you know, I'm thinking in my head, uh, oh, I didn't pull up his measurables. You know, let me let me look at his size. I'm thinking the way he moves around the field, guys, I'm like – uh, he's going to be like 5'10", you know, 185 or something like that. Yeah, I pull up his measurables. The, the dude is 6'5". <laughs> he's, a, he's a big man, uh, and he's coming in. I don't want to get his weight wrong. Let me pull it up here. 11 around there? Yeah, 210. That's what I was going to say off the top here. Uh, and so I, I think the problem is that now at the Senior Bowl, he's gaining a lot of momentum, and that that sucks because now I'm going to have to pay more for him. But he accelerates really well into the deep third of the field, plays the boundary well, separates with speed, displays good ball tracking ability, consistent hands. I'm not worried about the the level of competition at all because he's showed up to the Senior Bowl and multiple folks have pinpointed him as, as the best wide receiver out of the Senior Bowl. I was watching Senior Bowl tape before I jumped on with you guys, uh, and I had a very high praise for him. Uh, from the Senior Bowl itself, uh, you know, just kind of pulling up my notes real quick from the Senior Bowl practice tape here on Christian Watson. Really good release, nice first step, uh, really sits in his routes well. Uh, you could see him multiple times on the DB wide receiver drills, absolutely breaking those defensive backs. Uh, he's got really nice focus and tight coverage, good ball tracking, good body positioning. Uh, you know, I, I, I pushed him up into a top 100 pick. I, I think he's going to be a day one or two pick, so – I really like Christian Watson there. And you know what? Let's just stick with the wide receiver position here. Before we get away from Christian Watson, though, I got to give you one thought on that. Um, You know, here's the thing. I mean, a lot of people look at players out of NDSU and they go, ah, you know, they're they're from a a lower division. They're just not as good, all that kind of stuff. Here's the thing. Uh, The University of Minnesota has been so bad for so long that NDSU and to a lesser extent, you know, like, South South Dakota State, it, they grab a lot of players that ought to be playing for the Gophers, and it just makes them that much better. I mean, you know, they get they get some legit prospects there because they have such a huge pipeline into Minnesota now that you know if the Gophers were any good, would probably never exist. So, uh, you know, any any time a, a player comes from NDSU, I'm always pricking up my ears, going, "Yeah, this guy might be pretty good." This is yeah, this is why this is why we have Dan on location in Minnesota for this insight at yes. NDSU so, practices. <laughs> Sidelines, binoculars. No, I I just assume that anybody that NDSU grabs that the University of Minnesota might have wanted is probably you know a, a good player. So, and, yeah, and then let's be clear: like NDSU is 
dominating FCS football. Oh, exactly. Um, yeah, and it, it's you know they they're they're one of these programs that could play at the FBS level. They choose not to, um, mm-hmm. and they have the the talent to do that. And they've they've been putting players into the NFL, uh, you know, and not just at the quarterback position. So, I you know I, I've heard multiple folks suggest that you know if Christian Watson was wearing a, a Power Five jersey, you know he could he could be you know in round one conversation, and you know that's just that's part of the game. Unfortunately, but I think NFL teams are going to be willing to, to look past that because of the way he was able to show up to the senior bowl and, and play against, you know, the best defensive backs uh, in the country. And we saw what an FCS receiver could do this year. I mean, if anybody has any questions about the FCS, we saw a Cooper Cup break fantasy coming from yeah. Eastern Washington. So, I mean, that, that draft capital matters and talent matters at wide receiver. It doesn't matter where they went to school, in my opinion. Absolutely. Matt, we're gonna we're gonna throw one more name at you. Remind the people on the way out, um, unless unless the two studs that I work with have have something else to ask, they can ask you on on maybe on. I have like ten out. more I, ten more names. I know. So I, I, you guys, we can. If Matt if Matt wants to wants to stay on a bit longer, we can. It, it's up to you guys. Well, here's what's gonna happen. I'm gonna be. I'm, I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm going to have JD asking me about a draft pick in the DMs, and then I'm going to have Theo hitting me up right after, and I'm going to realize <laughs> that they're drafted against each other, and uh, it, it's going to be an, an issue. No, but, Probably already happened. <laughs> well, you guys you guys know I'm, I'm always happy to, to circle back and chat more, uh, you know, when we get closer to the draft, so – yeah, guys, go make sure you're following Matt at the FF underscore educator on the Twitter machine. Matt, remind the people all the goodness that you're dropping, especially this time of year, man. You're, you know, obviously a must follow 365 and then give us a little thought on our man Robinson out of Kentucky. Yeah, yeah. And I realized that I pitched the rookie profiles at the beginning of the episode, but I didn't tell you where to find it. So you can head on over to the Rookie Big Board YouTube channel and or the Rookie Big Board podcast. You know, wherever you're listening to this podcast, you could listen to the Rookie Big Board podcast as well. Uh, and so I, I do Rookies 365. And again, if you want, you know, I'm reading all this that I've talked about. I'm just reading off my notes that are available to all the patrons at, at patreon.com slash the FF educator. Uh, 85 uh, prospects uh, for this year's class. And my dynasty and Debbie rankings are on there too. It's just three bucks a month. Uh, so I would definitely encourage folks to check that out. If you enjoyed this conversation, that's that's what we do all year round in the Discord. Uh, but Wandale Robinson, man, uh, he's fun. <laughs> he's a fun guy. A tremendous tool if he lands with a creative NFL play caller. Uh, his athleticism allows him to beat defenses through the air on the ground. You know, I, he gets to top speed quickly. Uh, he's twitchy. He's slippery. Uh, and, and he runs some good routes, limited route tree, but he's got a good out route, solid comeback. Uh, here's here's my question marks. And I like Wandale Robinson. I know why he's fun. Guys, one of my big red flags for wide receivers is, is a high level of manufactured production at the college level. That's why I faded Rondale Moore. Uh, in, in, you know, it's, it's kind of been a lesson I learned with LaVisca Chanel. Uh, you want to be careful uh, if touches are overly manufactured because I don't care how good you are. An NFL offense uh, is not going to manufacture a high level of touches for a rookie wide receiver. It's just not happening, right? Uh, unless they're taking you in the top 10 picks of the NFL draft, right? I mean, you know, that you, it, it's just not happening quickly for a wide receiver in the NFL. And so, 
You, if you draft Wandale Robinson, just like if you drafted Rondale Moore last year, you know, I kind of told folks, you got to be willing to be patient. Uh, and Rondale Moore, I think he had 60 targets and he caught 60 something percent. I think off the top of my head, he was highly efficient, but it, it was a low yards per, per, uh, reception. Uh, and there was no touchdowns, one touchdown maybe. And I'm not drawing a one-to-one because Wandale Robinson is a different type of player than, than Rondale Moore, but my point being, proceed with caution with high manufactured production, guys, uh, just because I think it's going to take a little bit more time. Now, uh, Robinson is going to be somebody who uh, could shift wildly post-draft if I like where he lands. Right now, he's sitting there at wide receiver 10 for me, just below John Mechie, just above Sky Moore, kind of in that flex filler range. I think he right now is going to be a, a, a low-end uh, wide receiver 3, Mid to mid to you know high end wide receiver four it kind of landed in that range over the first couple of years of his career, uh, but you know certainly comes with with ceiling and I talked about this with Malik Willis if you want to lean into upside and ceiling I'm not going to knock you on it ever. I, Irish pros just keeps throwing names on there that I want to know about too. Now I'm like, dude, <laughs> I want to know about Rashad White, man. He's asking if he profiles as a pro. Sorry, Dan and Theo, before we close this out. You drafted, you one drafted one. Rashad White. That's why yeah. I want to know. Yeah. That's why I want to know. <laughs> JD's looking for some validity. I'll tell you, you know, Rashad White, it's interesting. I tell everybody uh, right now in this year's class, you could make the case that that like there's 10 players that are top five running backs because there's Spiller, there's Walker, there's Hall, and then for me there's Kyron Williams, and then you could plug in who you want your running back five to be. Right? We talked about Ford. We talked about Algier. You, right. you could plug any of those guys in. Right now, Rashad White is plugged into that running back five spot for me, and it's because he's electric. He beats defenders with speed, athleticism, elusiveness, I really like his lateral agility. There's a little bit of questions as to what his high end speed is, if he really has that downfield acceleration, but he does burst well through the second level of the field and he makes it look easy, man. Really mean jump cut. Uh, And so again, you know, he's kind of in that next tier of running backs. Let's see where he projects. But the thing to remember about Rashad White is he still, he still has room to grow age wise. He's older because he had a couple of years at Juco. But he doesn't, he doesn't have a ton of experience at the Power 5 level, which means he, I think he's still moldable as a player, right? And so he lands with a good running backs coach. There could be a lot of upside there with Rashad White. All right. Nice. He's uh, Matt Hicks, guys. Make sure you follow him to my left. Is it my left? I don't know. Dan, are you on my left or my right? If I'm looking at it, I don't know. It doesn't matter. <laughs> he's at overhyped sleeper, no E on the I, end. I, I would say I'm to your right, but – you guys uh you guys know all the goodness dan brings dan anything uh you want to you want to share with the peeps uh before we ride this one out i'm, I'm gonna let uh theo tease everyone with the with the monster guests we have coming up leading up uh, to the super bowl yeah so uh no not really much to add um I, I i really enjoy it like i say every time matt comes on and uh really looking forward to having john on as partner as well uh, you know, these guys just crush it every single time. And, uh, you know, Matt just, I, I like it because Matt has that, that film perspective too, uh, which I sometimes don't get enough of because I, I'm like, you know, I follow a lot of analytics guys, uh, but I really like getting the film perspective as well because I think they're both important to get in there. And uh, so appreciate everything that Matt has brought today. 
uh, I, he, he's given me a lot of ideas uh, for best balls and, uh, you know, also for my rookie drafts and everything else. And I got to say, J.D., I don't know how I feel about having Matt in too many of our uh, GOAT leagues here. <laughs> <laughs> I, know. I would like to win once in a while. Agreed. So. <laughs> Agreed. I, I had to cut it off. Uh, you know, I, they were trying to – Nate was trying to get me in that third – in NOG, too. And I was yeah. like, let's start with Super GOAT and let's uh, – yeah, hey, man, I'm still working on that Super GOAT team. We, uh, You know, I got a lot of action at first, so you want to kick it yeah. back up, you just let me know. I need right. some rookie picks. <laughs> Oh, I'll be in there. I'll be in there selling picks. I think I already took some of JD's rookie picks in that league. Yeah, I think you. I think you got one of mine too. But yeah, I think that's what I was going for. Take an orphan, get those rookie picks. That's right. Most likely, Theo, you got some monsters coming in the next uh, week and a bit. Why don't you uh, share that before we close it? Yeah. So next week should be a lot of fun. We have, um, you know, obviously the Super Bowl. So we're we're up in the number of shows next week. Um, Monday, it's looking like for um, for Davis Maddock, who was um, originally supposed to be on Tuesday. Um, he's in a best ball with uh, JD, Dan, and I, uh, and some very, very good, um, you know, high stakes players as well. Um, and we're going to review uh, one of these first best ball drafts. It's going to be a lot of fun, and maybe get some of Davis's, uh, you know, favorite dynasty values this off season. Kind of pick his brain a little bit. Um, Tuesday will be an awesome dynasty show. Um, we have Ryan McDowell coming on. Anybody who plays Dynasty is following Ryan McDowell. Um, I don't think I need to talk about Ryan McDowell's uh, Dynasty credentials, but it's going to be an awesome show. Uh, and then Wednesday, we have Matt Kelly, the podfather, coming on uh, for a daytime show to kind of kind of get us a little Super Bowl preview and, um, and, and pick his brain a little bit. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, the end of February is, is really shaping up. We have um, John Lobb coming up. Um, you know, very similar to to Matt, works with Matt. So if you like tonight's show, you're going to love uh, John. Um, and then we have a number of other, you know, great guests um, coming back in. We've got some high-stick players, some analysts. It's going to be an exciting uh, February and March um, in the GOAT district. For sure, man. Make sure you guys tune in. Make sure you subscribe to the channel so you don't miss a thing. You know, smash the, the reminder while you're at it. Give us those like buttons. Uh, we appreciate you guys hanging out with us tonight. We appreciate the chat. You guys are awesome as usual. Uh, big week next week. So I hope you guys tune in. Be safe, be happy, and we'll check you all later. You know the Pope listens Dynasty our religion For the blokes missing On all of these trades On all of these plays On all of these grades By the end of the day Y'all getting played So what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex Send the homie a text That trash offers the best You try to make it complex Then they text you back Now all of a sudden They don't make any sense <laughs> Broaden your horizons boy Dynasty's not for the Simons boy Trade's not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T district, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the... And I'll always be traded. And I'll always be traded. And I'll always be traded. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Fish.